Welcome to Leadership Backstage, a series of unique conversations with leaders about their role today and tomorrow. Hi, my name is Tricia Schroeder-Hohenwald. I am an executive coach, an organizational consultant, and the owner of DSH International HR. Another podcast about leadership, seriously? Yes, but somehow different. Over the years, I have been involved in lots of discussions about leadership. What it is, what it is not, what it will be, what it should be, and so on. But from my perspective, far too little open discussions have taken place with leaders about this subject. This is what I want to change here. I want to give leaders a voice, listen to what they say, and see what we can all learn from each other. And also, I have worked with many great leaders in the confidential space of our coaching sessions. But this time, it's not a conversation behind closed doors. The leaders here have accepted to share their thoughts openly, and I hope you will enjoy this backstage view on leadership. to have you here so it's very nice that you you took the time to talk to me thank you many thanks for the invitation you're welcome I saw that you, you you're doing so many interesting things that fits quite well into the the conversation about leadership leadership and innovation and I think you you have a lot to say about that so let's start with you and your current role Okay, so then may I introduce myself a little bit, what I'm doing, what is it all about, because my title and my role is called Vice President Global Innovation, so that's a, a fancy title, I would say, for plenty of things, but uh, my career started a little bit earlier, or let's say uh, some years ago already, so I'm now more than 21 years already in the logistics sector, dealing with different things, different perspectives, and I would say over the last uh, 10 years, 15 years, there was a lot of dynamic even in our field, and when it comes to innovation, then even more. And now in that responsibility here with innovation, it's all about new technologies, new trends, new opportunities, also new threats. But uh, in every threat, there's always a chance and a challenge. And that is something that I really want to find out for our company, but also for myself. And uh, I'm from my, from my nature, I would say I'm a very curious person. I want to get uh, known everything and want to be a part of everything. Of course, that, that's not possible, but uh, that is something that's really driving me. So always to expire things, explore things, and to really see what it's all about. Yeah, nice, nice. Thank you very much, Eric, for, for this introduction. And let's have, a, let's have a look at your current role and explore a bit more what it means concretely before we go into some other activities you had before and may, maybe your personal journey. But let's talk about your current role. DB Schenker is a huge company. And how big is the global innovation department? Um, so Schenker at all, we are 75,000 people in 130 countries, more or less we are everywhere on that globe. Of course, innovation is not everywhere on that globe, but uh, let's say my major driver is to bring innovation as easy as possible to all of our colleagues and also to our customers. So from the heart, from the spirit, it should be that innovation is a part of the DNA of every single Schenker colleague. But at the moment, we are, let's say, a small department in the global head office. So we have um, 10, 11 people as a department. 
but we also, let's say, have business contacts in the different countries, regions, and uh, sections. Because Schenker is uh, working and operating in business units. So we have land transport, ocean freight, air freight, contract logistic. And then, of course, we have head office functions like marketing, sales, strategy, IT, and so on. And every single functional unit, but also operational business unit, we have then also innovation contacts, we call them business innovation managers. And these are people with the same mindset, with a great experience, with a great network in their responsibility to really have an, the possibility and also the, let's say the knowledge and capabilities to elaborate and evaluate if there is something new, what's helping them or even a threat that they should bring up that we as a whole organization has to deal with that. So innovation at all is, I would say it should be really a part of everybody's behavior. And I would say I'm doing my job quite probably, but in the future, an innovation department might not be needed any longer because everybody in the organization is thinking and acting in the same way like we do. Yeah, wait a moment. I, I'm interested in this word, innovation. Mm -hmm. um, what does it mean exactly for you in the context of Divyshenko? What is it exactly, innovation? Because... In my experience with different companies, the, the, the imagination around this word is very different depending on the perspective. So what does it mean for you and for, for this company? That's a very good question. I would say uh, even if you are asking five people within Divyshenko, we are getting minimum six answers. So that's uh, always um, sometimes very easily used because uh, it if you have to sell something, then everything is innovative. If you have to do it internally in a more structured way, then it might be a kind of a continuous improvement topic or process optimization for me. And uh, I would say that's also, let's say, the headline for Schenker in total is uh, bringing knowledge to the organization and to the right people in the best and efficient way. Because a new knowledge could come from different angles. It can, can come from a failure. It can, come, it can, can also come from testing things, exploring things, uh, cooperating with startups, cooperating with R&D Institute, with universities, with young people, with young talents. So knowledge can, can, can come from different uh, angles of um, our operation, but also, let's say, from the society. And that is, let's say, a major driver. And the major challenge is always to bring the right information in the right um, manner to the right people that they can really deal with that and work on that. So and it's mostly bringing not only information, but also bringing new knowledge to the organization. And that's then really with innovation. So this kind of access to innovation can, uh, competencies, that is something that is driving me. And of course, exploring and uh, experimenting a little bit with new technologies, get an understanding about customer demands, uh, internal demands, and to see how we can solve them in the future. So if you ask me easily, what is innovation all about? It, it's a part of everything. And that uh, makes the life not easier when it's a part of everything because you also have to streamline or to focus on certain topics. But uh, innovation is really bringing new knowledge to the organization. And therefore you have to do a lot of things. Can you give us uh, a few examples of these new knowledge that you help in bring in the organization and the impact it had. Because knowledge in itself is not innovation. Knowledge is just new information. The, the output of it is probably the innovation. Give us a few examples where it worked and maybe where it didn't. <laughs> Happy to do so. 
So maybe one good example is our, we have a strategic cooperation since six years already in place with a scientific institute. That's with the Fraunhofer IML. That's the Institute for Material Flow and Logistics in Dortmund, so in the middle of Germany. And with them, we are really exploring logistics of the future. So really what might be there tomorrow? What kind of new technologies like drones, like 3D printing, like automated or autonomous driving, artificial intelligence, blockchain technologies, what kind of technologies might influence our behavior, our operations, and also our customer demands in the future. And that is something where we as a, let's say, logistic forwarder are not the, the experts. So we really need these kind of open networks, open exchange with people who are the experts of topics with the same mindset and behavior that we really can cooperate and elaborate on things together. And when it comes to our DB Schenker lab there, as this with this cooperation, that that started quite easily six years ago with just uh, what kind of technologies are there. So we explored a little bit on um, a kind of a trend radar just to find out what might be relevant in the near future. But then really ending up that uh, even our branches brought challenges to that. So they said, we have an issue here, a problem there, a customer demand there. And is there a chance to fulfill that? Because we don't find any supplier out there who tackle that. Or we see a business opportunity by doing something or even HR people uh, contacted us. We need different ways how to train people more efficiently. So there was then examples where we really set it up a VR forklift driver training. So really something that helps us internally to train our employees in a more proper, more digital, but also faster way. Because when you really can uh, set up a VR warehouse and then giving people a VR glasses on their head and the seat who's also moving. So when you hit a wall in this virtual world, you will feel it that you hit the wall. So that is something where it makes fun, but it's also creative and the people are not afraid to, to test even more there than in the, in the real life. Because really bringing a forklift on his maximum, you should not do that in the real warehouse, but in the virtual world, you can try that out and really test different things. But that's the kind of training. But also new business opportunities coming from the lab are always extremely interesting. And what is even more interesting is when you're taking your customers with you to the lab. Because then you really have a walk in our lab and then we inspire them and see. And normally you plan a completely different story for that day when you're setting up an agenda when the customer is coming. But then the customer sees and says, huh, this IoT device, that is also interesting. And that drone and that HV, so this robot on the ground, why not doing that as well, Schenker, together? And that is something where we really love to get to say, this customer response, this customer feedback when he saw something and that we can then really work together on a joint cooperation. That makes even more sense. So these are great examples, but another example is also the, the startup environment. And I can ask, I talk for ages about that because startups are amazing cool in our industry. Oh, wow, wow. That's fantastic. And how do you build the bridge to the different businesses? Because I, I see, and from the conversations we had in the preparation of this call, uh, your mind is so creative and this and that and so many examples. And uh, like, and you've been doing this for some years and still uh, there are always new stuff coming out of you, out of the team, out of the environment that you catch up. How do you build a bridge to the different businesses who or maybe not as far as you are in trying out all sorts of stuff and new, new experiments. How do you talk and communicate with them and 
I think there is also not black and white. So first of all, we have an extremely open and transparent communication internally, but also externally to our customers. So happy to, to talk even to customers. And I think we as innovation people, we are invited in several customer meetings. I would say five, six, seven customer meetings every single week, where even our sales colleagues see a demand for bringing our customers as well into the same direction of thoughts and thinking and also offers them new opportunities. But internally, there are, let's say, that's a part of a cultural uh, topic as well, because uh, innovation is not suck and everything is innovative. So we really cannot force people to be that. So it's really, it's a continuous topic. You have to tell stories, you have to show experiences, you have to, let's say, share um, project results uh, in a proper way. And let's say one good thing what we have done since uh, yeah, five, six years already is a kind of an innovation magazine. That is something that we established. We call it a future insight. That's an, let's say just a sharing topic for bringing good stories, news in a kind of storytelling approach to the right people. So it's not like in process description, do that and that and that. No, it's uh, Eric is sitting there, has an issue, he has done that and experienced that and that was the outcome and that's what it's all about. So just more storytelling, one topic, one page. And then we, we started with this kind of a future insight approach quite easily. So we skipped a little bit the corporate design. We skipped a little bit of everything. We just to try to make it as fancy as possible and as attractive as possible to bring information to the right people. And funny enough, on the last... Wait a moment, uh, Eric. Who yeah. are the right people? What does it mean, the right people? That's a good one. I. <laughs> that's a really good question because you can imagine with our 75,000 people, of course, I would say everybody should be a right person to, to get that. But of course, we started, let's say, top down. So we started with some uh, management uh, heads, so with uh, top management, with managing directors. With So I would say my first, uh, when I firstly spread it out, the future insight, we had 130, 140 um, um, recipients of this magazine. But on the last page, there's always, if you have a great short, uh, story to share, please send us an email. If you want to be a part of the distribution list, send us an email. So on that, why over the time, and we are spread it out the future ends at four times a year. So always with a spring, summer, fall, and winter edition. That was always the, the fun stuff. We also got them the feedback, okay, in Asia, the seasons are different. You're right. But uh, we are spreading them out from Germany, so we stick to the German seasons. And that the fun part was that um, over the time now, we are doing this now since five years, and people are sharing the document. And then we later on also established a subscription button in our intranet that people can subscribe on their own because I don't care about hierarchies or who is per definition should read it. No, I don't bother anybody to read that. I just wanted to send it out as an offer, an opportunity to be a part of that and also contribute to that because we also say there is an article from Singapore and then the person who's leading it in Singapore is also mentioned. And that's the good thing, because now we always ask, do you have a story to share for the whole organization? Now we are collecting stories from the whole Schenker universe. And that's always quite great, because we have then 30, 40 different um, uh, ideas for the next iteration. So we are collecting knowledge, bringing it together. And now I think we have 1,800 uh, recipients already in the list. So wow. it grows dramatically. Wow. wow. Why, why not share it to, to everybody? Because not everybody is interested. So I really would love to motivate people that they want to have it. 
So, because again, I don't want to spam them with emails they don't like. And of course, everybody who wants to read it can also go to our intranet and we have them all stored there. So there's a kind of an archive and they can have a look, but people want to have it now directly when it's uh, published out. So therefore they are subscribing. And with every single um, uh, edition, we are getting more subscribers. And we know it already that some colleagues then they got it and then they distribute it to the next 50 people. So some sales colleagues also attach it as an attachment to a tender or RFQ. And that was also quite funny because with our first publication, my first idea was to spread it out only for internal use. So we wrote on every single page for internal use only, for internal use only. But on the last page, page was always this idea when you have a great story, if you want to be a part of the distribution list, just send us an email. And I think after the second edition, we got plenty of emails from several customers who all want to be a part of the distribution list. I said, okay, for internal use only, for internal use, where was the mistake? But the good thing is um, they are not highly uh, top secret stories in, but maybe sometimes our salespeople, they found, oh, that's a cool thing thing. You are a great customer. I know it's only for internal use, but you as a, my beloved customer here, something only special for you. Mm. So then we decided, okay, this four editions a year for internal use, then let's make a, small, a kind of a summary, two editions, then in one external edition, and then we decide okay, to go for the innovation insights as an external magazine. So we have something for internal and a summary for external. And now we have a, this loop and now we have 16, 17 editions already. It's great. It's a, it's a kind of a communication culture thing. It's not everything, but it's helping collecting stories and distributing experiences of an organization. Well, last question around innovation and what you're doing. I find it so exciting. So we spend a lot more as time on that, but uh, um, afterwards uh, we'll go more into your personal journey. And um, but here in the you talked about mindset. Mm -hmm. What does it mean, and how do you? influence this from your perspective as an, a global innovation department so what um, because you you have a team but you cannot be the center of innovation of the whole company so how do you spread this mindset somewhere else apart from the newsletter you talked about and also different uh, possibilities first of all invite people to join cooperate with us together in the lab on certain projects, um, be open to test a startup together with us. And therefore we always need experts from the organization who are willing to do that. And uh, so there are, and we are a part of some HR development programs. So really when people go for further internal development program, we are training them how to use design thinking. We are training them how to build up a business model together with them. So that is a part where we have a very close cooperation with HR and also with the culture topics. Because also we have a plenty of internal events and um, topics where people are presenting possibilities from our organization. It's all about culture and um, these topics. And there we are extremely well um, um, known and we are extremely part of that. Always presenting what we can do, how we can do it, and always sharing experience. And, uh, even if you thought you have told it already in the half of the organization personally, there will be always somebody who has no clue that you are existing and that the topics are there. So you always have to repeat it and being a kind of an ambassador. 
And that is also something where we see it at kind of a train to trainer uh, methodology. So training people, empower them as a kind of ambassador, a kind of a person who can take it even further because you're fully absolutely right. We can't be everywhere. And there's also no need to be everywhere. But you have to empower people, tell them there is something more. You can be a part of that. And we are happy to invite people to, to join that kind of um, story and, uh, and, and also a journey. Mm -hmm. Nice. Thank you, Eric, for um, explaining so broadly what, what you're doing and what, this, uh, what your company is doing around innovation. I have a question about leadership. Mm -hmm. And um, you have a team. And um, there is also a relationship between the development of this, this department and your, your own development, your own personal journey in, in, uh, in innovation, because you were in, in the innovation field before, and then you left, and then you came back. Tell, tell us more about your personal journey towards this topic of uh, innovation and, and your, your leadership role, how... I think it changed a lot, but not because things are changing, but um, you're getting more experience, you're getting more knowledge personally, and that always influences your style and how you're acting with people. So I also had, the, let's say, bigger teams in the, in the past, but it's not a part of um, and that you're feeling stronger or more proud if you have a bigger bigger team to lead. That's not a, not a topic. I'm always a fan of individual people with a most diverse background, so I really love diversity. And then I'm talking not about men and women. So that's um, one aspect. There are so, so many more diversity topics. And I'm also telling people, I never hire somebody that I'm having already in the team. So I don't need a second Eric because Eric is already there. I need somebody else with different background, different experience, different knowledge, different uh, CV topics, different cultural backgrounds. That makes sense. And that makes it quite intensive from the beginning. But uh, when you found a way to work really as a team together, then you will grow and will be faster even, even more. And uh, when it comes to my personal development, I was always a person who's extremely curious in things. So I really want to understand why topics are like they are. Why, what is people driving? My first goal was never to be a hierarchical on the top management, but to influence people to really setting up new things. You, have, you need somehow, let's say, the possibility to do that. And therefore, let's say, per, sometimes per accident, you are getting positions, roles, responsibility, but to, to stay there, you really have to work. And that is something what I really learned and really taking ownership, take charge for something. That is something that I really like, that I really love. And when you also look into my personal CV, you can also see I'm quite a long time already within the company for more than 21 years. And uh, now you can also maybe challenge that as an innovation person. Why are you so long in such a company? But let's say the normal, let's say, um, lifetime of an innovation manager in other companies is three to four or five years. But uh, it's mostly for innovation. You're starting something. And when it starts to grow, then they are leaving. But I have to be, I'm still there. So I, I'm taking full charge and responsibility for the most of the things that I started. And that is also something what I really like. So to really take that kind of um, ownership, responsibility for things that I thought about, that I started, that I initiated. It's great fun, not always easy, but yeah, it helps. And also to this leadership style, what I really learned, give people as much freedom as possible 
tell them where's the target, how they get there, I don't care. And even I'm not the cleverest person on earth. I'm hiring the cleverest people on earth that they can tell me what to do. And that is something what I really like because with every single job interview already, so when you're when applicants are sitting in front of you, my target is always in every single job interview, I want to learn something because there's a new person with a new background, with a new experience that I have never met before. So why not using that to learn something from that person? And that's quite cool. I mean, you then really start to cooperate with such a person and even closer and really starting in your team. It's amazing. So I'm always telling people emotional intelligence is more worth than the IQ because you have to learn things new anyhow. But emotional intelligence really able to work in a team and to push a team further as one team with one goal. That is the, the kind of attitude and value that you as a company have to show that that is important and that I really love to have also as a part of my teams. Mm, yeah, very nice. And um, how you, you've been part of this company for a long time and how have you seen the topic of leadership evolve within the organization? Because you've seen different stages and phases of uh, the development of yeah. the business and, and also of the spirit of leadership. So tell, tell us more about that. Absolutely, happy to do so. So I think it changed um, enormously over the last years and even last year when the pandemic hits us even more. So I would say from a very classical waterfall approach, hierarchical thinking with the board is somewhere in the tower where you never meet. So some people always have the question, is the board really existing? Are these real people or are they only existing on the paper? So that is something that changed, um, I would say, in our industry, but also I can also see the same in other industries as well, that uh, board members, management uh, directors, uh, head offs of something are getting more personally, more involved into topics, are more present, more relevant in the daily uh, routines of a, of a company. So they really show um, I'm there. I'm there also so to support. Don't be feared to, to contact me or to send me an email. Just do it. So that is something what I recognized over the years um, very positively, that uh, even management opens up to be um, available and present and also supportive. Of course, they also have to find out and time is always a, a short uh, topic, but uh, how and where. But even with the possibility to setting up new media formats like podcasts, like um, video messages, that is something where all the, the board members and also even internally, we are dealing quite probably. Because what we all learned from uh, our personal activities on social media, like uh, Facebook or Instagram or then Xing, LinkedIn, all about that, we want to have the same possibility also internally in a company. And um, there is uh, this uh, B2C, C2C, B2B, all these kind of topics are merging. And then you can also see that um, even the leadership styles are merging. People are getting more prominent. People starting to promote their own person quite probably. Started on Facebook as a youngster, mm -hmm. Instagram. Now they're switching to LinkedIn. And now we have Clubhouse and all these uh, crazy things. Plenty of possibilities to promote your own person and CV and whatever. But um, if a person or let's say a management or a board member is doing it quite probably, that can really influence people. Also to be an employer of choice because 
you have to be present. You have to show what is your attitude, what is your, what are your values, what kind of, let's say, a history do you have, and to really take that openly. And um, I also see it dramatically that now last year, since the pandemic starts, that bad leaders are not really surviving now. And bad leaders mean don't listen to your people, uh, don't be present. And because now with sitting at home, and I think we had last week, we had already one year anniversary with uh, sitting at home. That's uh, dramatically. So I think now really private life and business life is merging even, even more because it's everything the same because you're sitting in the same four walls the whole day when, you're, can, when you can work from home. And that is really now different to lead people in these situations. How did you change your, your leadership? You're talking about the, the, this last year. How did you personally with your team and what did you observe in the company the last year? So the changes uh, in yeah. the last year, the way you work together? So something that I changed directly in my team was uh, when we were sent home, it was on the 16th of March last year in 2020. And uh, that was... Everybody That's uh, quite crazy, yeah. And I think we got in this time directly the information that our Chinese colleagues already sitting since 10 weeks at home. And I thought by myself, I was also talking to my wife, that 10 weeks already at home, I will never sit 10 weeks at home. So here we are, one year later, still sitting at home and working from home. It's absolutely crazy. But I told my colleagues directly. So from tomorrow morning, we will start with a nine o'clock good morning team and with five o'clock in the afternoon with a good evening team call. Just 15 minutes, just to say everybody's there. What kind of planning do we have for the day? And in the afternoon, then what happens over the day? A highlight, low light, what happens? And I asked my team, are we, do we want to do that every day or once a week? Or how do we do that? And then clear decision in the team was, let's start with really every day. And I also told them my team, every family member, dog, cat, mouse, child are all a part of the team. Whoever is behind the camera, they're all a part of the team. That's quite crazy. I think in the last year, I've seen so many living rooms, uh, bathrooms, kinder rooms, uh, and family members. Extremely curious and interesting. And then now you see, ah, there is uh, Stefan, there is, so you know already the names of all the family members. And that's also quite um, cool to really have this kind of opportunity. But this good morning and good evening team with my team is it's only 15 minutes. And then we go from A to Z and from the afternoon from Z to A just that everybody has his one minute, whatever. And um, we never were that close to each other before, because before Corona, I'm sitting in Frankfurt. Uh, half of my team is sitting also in Frankfurt. Half of the team is sitting in Essen. And I'm mostly sitting in the train between. But, uh, and so my main desk is in Frankfurt. And so therefore my colleagues in Frankfurt were sometimes faster with information because I'm also sitting there. But in Essen was then always, so let's say far away. Now it's completely equal. Everybody is sitting at home. Everything is virtual. Everybody is virtual. So therefore it's a completely fair and equal um, situation for everyone because we are all sitting in the same boat. And that makes it then also easier. And even with this uh, good morning, good evening, it gives somehow a structure for the day. And that is something what some people really need, this structure in this, uh, in this uh, horrible times when you're not allowed to do anything, when you have lockdowns and shutdowns and all these uh, things, mm -hmm. then structure is helping people to, uh, to behave and also doing some crazy stuff, some fun stuff. So we also have in our team then who has the, 
the wildest uh, background picture on Friday afternoon or open a bottle of wine or beer on Friday afternoon and really make some fun or some jokes mm -hmm. or the latest rumors or whatever. Yeah, I it's getting it's, more personal. Absolutely. More personal. It's really personal. And it's also quite crazy because I, I hired also in that time some interns or some trainees or some people joined the team. So I've never met them in real. I have no clue how tall they are because I'm only seeing them until the breast and I don't know what's under that. So is that person 160 or one meter 90? I don't know. So that's uh, quite uh, funny, cool, crazy, uh, all the same. But uh, yeah, behaviors are changing and you really have to think about um, to, to concentrate that you also have to do some breaks because also your working load is changing. In the first lockdown in March, April and that time, we all still had the topic of normal workshop setups. A workshop took, I don't know, one hour, two hour. Then you have the changing time to the next thing. So it was, let's say, the normal workshop. But then we all find out, oh, with this virtual setup, with all these Zoom conferences and Microsoft Teams and what, well, everything what we are using, you can be faster. And then meetings change from two hours to one hour to half an hour. And now you have to sometimes every 20 minutes another meeting with another person. So then you really have to concentrate, make some breaks, do it, do some breaks. And uh, because normally you're meeting people at the coffee machine, now you're making a meeting for that, to meet people, to talk for whatever. I have plenty of virtual coffees with colleagues, but also with external people, also with companies. And that's amazing, cool in on the one hand, but on the other hand, you really have an appointment for that. Yeah, the yeah. whole day is okay. from eight, eight o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock in the evening. It's structured like hell. In the end of the day, you look on your watch on your smartphone where you count your steps. Oh, 600 steps. Maybe I should go out and do some sport, whatever. So yeah. that is something what we all have to learn. And it's over the Christmas time, and it becomes even crazier. Yeah, yeah right. Let's, let's say a, a few words about B.B. Shaker in 2020. Yeah. I I heard from you and from the the, the news and uh, that you had a, a fantastic year. How was it possible to have a fantastic year in your field in um, in a pandemic? So t tell us more about how did it work? Did yeah. You... So first of all, what we all learned last year, and that was also a new wording for me: logistics is system relevant. Mm. That is something that we also didn't know before. For you have it from the heart that you know, of course, we are system relevant, but now we got the official stamp, logistics is system relevant because we still had to work. Of course, when the pandemic hits us in, in, in starting in China, but then later on also in Europe, when we went home on the 16th of March last year, we all thought, oh my goodness, what will that mean? Hopefully we are ending up that year with a black zero. So somehow, but then I would say it was mid of April, end of April, around that, then somebody opens a door, a big one, a big door. And that means new customers are coming, new opportunities are coming. And also our, uh, let's say our operational colleagues, they were extremely agile to defining new opportunities, new business opportunities. And really our sales colleague, they were in a kind of an attack mode. So when some opportunities was there, then our sales colleagues contacted that person and really helped. It was all about helping to be there and uh, to do operations. So you lost clients and you had new ones. Can you say a bit more about that? If, if it's okay to, to talk about it here. Something shifted in your business during the yeah. year. 
let's say one one good thing what we have done before Corona already to bring all of our IT systems into cloud systems. So we all are equipped with laptops and. Uh, Luckily enough, we, we chipped our whole organization to Microsoft Teams some months before Corona starts. That was luckily, so because no one expected something like that. But when in the moment when we all had to go home, we were still able to work. And uh, we are this 75,000 people. I think the record was roughly 40,000 of us are sitting at home and working from home with no impact to quality because you have your transport management systems, you have the possibility to talk to colleagues. And then that we also saw when some competitors were struggling, they also had to go home, but they were not equipped with laptops or cloud solutions. And then everybody starts to do something to be available to do anything, uh, but it was not possible for all of them. And that was the moment when, when customers are changing their providers and asking us, can you do that? Because it seems that you are still operational, uh, possible to, to make the deliveries or the pickups or uh, logistic services. And that was when a lot of customers are switching their suppliers. We got plenty of new customers on board. Of course, when the whole country is in the lockdown, then nothing is manufactured and then it's nothing to transport. But what we also changed was our, um, we took a lot of risk with air freight, for example, because you can also imagine, or you might don't know that 60 to 70% of all air freight that is transported via plane is in passenger airplanes. Yeah, so, I learned that from you. I was I was very surprised. Yes, as you know, none of them are flying because shutdown and uh, tourist topics are closed completely, and uh, so therefore a lot of airplanes are standing on the ground. But there was a high demand for air freight capacity. You can imagine with healthcare products and the vaccine and all the topics in the beginning was more face masks and uh, all the gloves and everything around for hospitals, but you have to bring them somewhere around the globe. And that was something where we took the risk and really booked full charter. So full charter means you're booking a full plane, the complete plane, and taking the whole responsibility for the, for the captain in the plane and for the stuff around and really organizing that from uh, uh, Peking to Paris to New York and vice versa. So the whole around the whole globe, normally we are booking, let's say, um, some a part of a plane so we are not in the full responsibility but then we we went into the full responsibility by taking the full risk by the full plane and to really to make that happen and uh, there was a high demand and that was also the moment where our colleagues really changed our business models and offering new services and new capacities not that we that we want to be let's say to make to bring even more revenue to us it was not the topic it was to fulfill the customer contracts that we are having by transporting their products from A to B. And of course, new customers were also coming on board. And that was a high risk, but it, it paid back. And therefore the last year was for us, for us in total, it was a really successful year. Mm. Of course, we have also, let's say one business unit for us is fairs and exhibition. These are really colleagues who are facilitating global sports events, uh, fairs, conferences. There's still, there's nothing even, or let's say very, very little. Mm. Now in some regions, Asia is now coming back, but after one year with the first smaller conferences. Mm. But also when you think about Olympic games, you know now Japan is doing that, but without external or without, without foreigners. So these topics are, it's all logistics behind. If there's a shutdown, logistics is stopped working. And that is something where we also experienced, so we, we we won, let's say, a lot of uh, customer loyalty. So uh, last year, B 
because even when no one was there, we were still there and offering services and help. And in some countries, we were more or less alone. And suddenly, all of our competitors closed or had gone, and we were still operating. Thank you so much for sharing so much about the company and the activities that you, you're doing. And um, it's, it's very, very interesting. I, I would like to... To, to close this conversation with a more, a more per, personal perspective. Another mm -hmm. uh, company, not, not all this, but just like going back to you and your journey in leadership and sharing with us the one or two or three moments, key moments of learning for you in terms of leadership. If you go back, I think, yeah, this is, these are the, the moments uh, I learned the most. Maybe it was not easy. Maybe I got, I got the struggle to get there. But I learned immensely around my personal development and leadership. Is there, are there any moments like that that you can remember? Yeah, I think there are several moments. Um, and every moment uh, when you can remember it is a part of your personal education and development. I think there was one personal moment uh, because I grew up in a small village, really 800 people, small, small village in, in the eastern part of Germany in, in Thuringia. And uh, there I was uh, standing on a, let's say, there was a, a huge event in my village. We had a 1,200 man big tent. And I had to jump on the stage and to present there uh, something. And then there were more than 1,000 people uh, standing in front of me, and I have to tell something there. So that was the moment uh, where I was I always thinking back when I have to give a presentation internally or to stand up in front of uh, 200 people, 300 people, whatever. I always have in mind, I stood, stood already in front of more than 1,000 people, and that was also okay. So now here are only 200 people, all fine with that. So always have in mind, I don't care how many people are standing there or sitting there or waiting or listen to you because anyhow they are here because they want to listen to you what you are telling them. So you remember this moment because sometimes you get nervous in front of people and to deal with this nervousness you go back to this memory is it right? Yeah so I, yeah. I'm getting not nervous I'm getting really excited to yeah. really do that and to really present and to really be a part of that. And one other, let's say it's more, it's a funny moment because when I was in, in, in really my, my first year, really as in the age of uh, 20 or 1920 uh, and, and working in the, in the first company, then I was working in the marketing department there as an, an, as an apprentice. And uh, funny enough, I had to go to toilet. That was a very normal situation. But then our CEO, CEO of the whole company was going so I was standing there and he was coming next to me and was going, going to the same toilet. And that was for me somehow the click moment. He said, huh, that's the CEO of that big company, but he's going to the same toilet like I do. So therefore, we are all human beings, all the same. And that was for me, don't be afraid about hierarchies or people because they're all, let's say, cooking with the same water or going to the same toilet. And that was for me just a trigger moment. He said, okay, don't be afraid about hierarchies or people above you. We are all human beings. And that was really, mm. even today, I'm thinking about that moment sometimes. It was funny, but also helpful in the somehow. Yeah. Anything you would have loved to do differently? If you looking back, you think, uh, I wish I had known, or I wish I, I could have done it differently, or whatever. 
there are always a possibility to do things differently, but I'm proud how my way was and uh, I don't regret anything. Let's say I wish sometimes what I kind of experience that I have that I'm missing at the moment is maybe really living abroad. So really um, have this kind of opportunities because some people are doing that uh, after this after the university degree, then going abroad or during their university, um, have this kind of half a year, one year somewhere. Of course, I'm an international role and I've traveled a lot and have seen a lot of places, but really living there, that's something. Maybe yeah. still on my list. And yeah, it may come. It's not finished. Yeah. Absolutely. The last, yeah, sorry. Last one. You, you, we may have people interested in um, innovation and transform cultural transformation towards more innovation. Listening to you, what would you want to tell them from all these years working in this field, what you've learned so far? And if you could summarize your learning and say that I'm here to, to close this session on leadership and innovation. Yeah, I think the, one of the, uh, let's say my biggest driver always, and what I always trying to find also in other people is curiosity, really be curious. And of course, be always yourself. Don't uh, play a role and to be different in personal life and, and, and company life. It, we only have one life. So be always uh, very much the same person. And if you love to make jokes, make jokes. If you have a sarcasm, use your sarcasm. And um, it's a free world in a free country with free decisions. So if somebody don't like you because you have done a joke, then maybe it, it is like it is, but don't play a role. That is something I really um, would recommend, but also something I'm um, trying to find, let's say some own strength with, let's say own interest. Be really try to find one or two topics where you really would have to as much knowledge as possible, but you, where really your heart is going through. You said, okay, that is something what I really want to explore, expire, be a part of that. And that is something I really love to see where people are really having strong, strong, strong motivation for. And it, there must be no correlation to business life. Even if it's a sport activity, if it's a family activity, if it's a crazy hobby, everything is welcome. But you need one or two things. They said, that is something where I would do more or less everything, really become a fan of yeah. something. That is a strong attitude that I always like to find in people. It was the same when I organized with my with my wife my, my wedding 10 years ago. I told her directly, we only using suppliers or partners for our wedding. I need the feeling that they love what they do. If they don't love what they do, we take another one. Even if it's cost one or two euro more, but if they don't love what they do, I would not go for them. And it's, that is something I always want to see in people. Yeah, passion. Passion, absolutely. That's the right word. Thank, thank you very much, Eric, for your time, for this uh, very interesting, very inspiring conversation. And, and also for, for us getting to know each other in this context and the, the, two, the, 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 the conversational preparation we had before, that was really a pleasure to, to meet you and get to know you. And uh, yeah, so have a, have a lovely day. The same for you and most of all, stay healthy. Yes, <laughs> thank you.
Thanks for listening. That was another edition of Leadership Backstage. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. And if you want to know more about me or have a conversation with me, you can get in touch via dsh-internationalhr.com.